Genesis chapter number one. Hopefully it don't take you too long to find this one. Genesis chapter one. And uh, we're going to read just a couple of verses together to lay a, our foundation this morning. And I, I may not be speaking to everybody in this room today, but I'm going to try my best to. I feel like I should be speaking to everyone in this room today uh, and those joining us online. But I believe I'm going to speak to the hearts of some people specifically as well because I feel like that we all go through seasons of transition. We all go through trying to find our way and there's lots of pressure uh, to perform if we were honest today uh, in every avenue of our life. But I want to make it clear for every one of us in this room that if we identify as men and women of the faith, men and women that are blood-bought, spirit-filled, surrendered to the Lord, then there is a biblical understanding that we should possess, and that's what should guide our life. And understand that uh, in our culture today, it seems like everything takes precedent, but we have to correct some errors with that. We are called to be the church of Jesus Christ. And I pray that we understand the meaning of that today. I hope we understand it even more so when we leave today. But our subject this morning, if the Lord would help us, is going to simply be a call to engage or a call to engagement this morning. And uh, my purpose today is not just to have a good service, but my purpose today is to help by the leading of the Spirit and by the power of the Holy Spirit and God's Word to bring us to a place where we are engaged, where we are touching the world in which we live. And we're going to use for foundation a very familiar passage of Scripture, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28, and uh, we'll build from here if the Lord would help us this morning. Genesis chapter 1, verse number twenty. 6 through verse number 28 and God said how many knows it's important if God says something men it's almost like your wife saying something but just a little more so if that gives you some perspectives all right so God said let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. For a few moments this morning, a call to engage. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you today. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for just the faithfulness of your Holy Spirit that visits us and leads us and guides us and dwells with us and in us. And Lord, today we ask that you would just uh, take our time together this morning, the remainder of it, and let it be a time where we hear 
where we receive and where we respond. And we'll give you the praise and the glory for it. And the church says, amen and amen. Thank you for honoring the word of the Lord this morning. Let's dive in this morning together. I believe it's of great importance for you and I today as men and women of the faith to grasp the assignment that has been given to us. And yes, every one of us in this room has been given an assignment. I hear oftentimes, well, I want to do something, but I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I have to confess, I have said that myself. And the thing is, if we come to the pages of God's word, we will find very clearly what we're supposed to do. And we're going to talk about it today. In order for man to accomplish that which has been given to us, we, we find in what we just read, it requires every one of us to become willing to be engaged in the culture of our day. We see this is not only true for Adam and Eve. When you find that in this passage, he says, we're going to form man in our likeness and our image. We're going to put the breath of life in them. And then we're going to give them a charge. And that charge is be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth uh, to subdue it. But then it says to have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. How many knows there's a lot of living things that moves upon the earth? There's a lot of things that move. A lot of things that you don't necessarily see, but it's moving. But we've been given a charge, and that charge is we're going to have to have dominion, take dominion over it. But in order for us to do that, there has to be a willingness to engage. Now, we find that this isn't just true for Adam and Eve, but if you was to go to your New Testament in your Bible in Matthew chapter number five, and we'll go there and just read a couple of verses to lay this out very quickly, you find that Jesus is on top of the mountain, sets down, and begins to teach his disciples. And it starts out really well. Uh, he starts telling them that, you know, uh, verse five, uh, chapter five, verse number three, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn. And it just keeps going and blessed and blessed and blessed. We all like to hear that, man, we're blessed to be blessed means you're favored of God. So we like to hear all that. And, and when you start getting down to verse 11, it says, blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you. Now that don't sound as good as the, as the ones leading up to that one. But nevertheless, you got to take all of it, right? And you, you find out and it says, and you shall say, and when they say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake, he says, you're still going to be blessed, but you have to rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. But then notice what he says in verse 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thence good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trotted under the foot of men. You are also the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but they put it on a candlestick and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. But notice this, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. Now, in order for us to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, means this, we have to engage. Nothing in this teaching tells us otherwise, but it clearly tells us 
and shows us the importance of being engaged in our culture. Now, what is culture? Culture is this. It is the, be- the behavior and the beliefs of a people. And how many knows that our behavior and beliefs currently in our nation, it needs to have somebody engage it because it's completely upside down. It's completely in disarray. We are to be the salt of the earth and we are to be the light of the world and neither of these things can be accomplished unless first of all, we have what I will call culture engagement. But I have to ask the question, how much are we really engaging the culture when we spend roughly three hours in the house of the Lord a week? We are not engaging a culture when we come into this sitting that we're in today. We come into this sitting so that we can become equipped and edified and encouraged to engage a culture out there. Because how many knows that even though a farmer planted seeds in the field just a short while ago, if he does not go back to that field, he will never reap his harvest. And unless you and I make the decision to go back into the harvest field, we will never reap a harvest. And therefore, the only way we can reap a harvest is if we engage. And how many knows if you go engage, you're going to have to go through some stuff. You're going to have to deal with some things. Just, just ask anybody, anybody in this room ever detasseled corn before? Yeah. You had to engage some things, right? I hope you didn't go in a tank top when you went to go to tassel corn. You, you, you're going to find yourself scarred and, and you're going you're gonna to be dealing with some consequences of being in the field. But nevertheless, it's an important step. What I'm talking about today is that when we understand that every individual who identifies as a Christian has an obligation, and our obligation is not merely coming to the house of God, it's not just giving a tithe and an offering, it's not just singing a song, and and it's not just responding in a traditional manner that we have been taught to respond in. But you and I have been given a charge Now, if you've been around this house any length of time at all, you should be familiar with the phrase, the Great Commission. Unfortunately, across our nation, there's a large percentage of proclaiming Christians that doesn't even know what that term is. But let me remind us what that term is. You find it in Matthew 28, 18 and 20. And Jesus came and he begins to speak. After his resurrection, he says, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. So go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And then he says, lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. You also can read uh, along these same lines in Mark chapter number 16, verses 15 through 18. It says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized, they will be saved. And he that believeth not shall be damned. But these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents and they shall drink any deadly thing. It shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. How many knows none of that's going to happen unless somebody is willing to engage? That is, in a nutshell, the Great Commission. And I think we understand that 
But equally important besides those verses is what we read at the beginning of our time together this morning in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28, and it is simply called the dominion mandate. Do you realize that as men and women of God, we have been given a mandate to take dominion over everything upon this earth? Now, stay with me. I believe we have a large number of individuals who lack understanding of the profound duty that is given to you and I, the church of Jesus Christ. And therefore, we also lack understanding of the consequences for the failure of this misunderstanding. The world in which we live today is not the results of bad policy by politicians. It is the result of a sleeping church. Because the sleeping church allowed corrupt politicians to get to the place that they are. I knew I should have preached something else this morning, but it's okay. I have to obey the Lord. So that's what I'm trying to do this morning. Dr. Paul Dean, he is a, uh, a pastor in Southern, California, uh, Southern uh, South Carolina, I should say. And he's also got a radio program and he has a few articles addressing uh, the, the need for culture engagement. And I find it quite interesting. I may share a few things in just a moment that he, that he has given. But I know that there are those that will say when you start talking about culture engagement, they'll begin to talk and say, well, we're not of this world, preacher. We're just passing through. Well, I agree with that to a certain degree. But at the same time, it says that we are to contend for the faith. It says that we are to be found doing until he comes. So also, and then there's others that will say, well, we are to be separated. The church and the state should not be, listen, that was never designed for what it is weaponized for today. But we have that in our history because of the simple fact what it was saying is this, that we never want to get to a position where the government controls what the church does. It was never to silence the church. And, and you say, well, how can you come to these conclusions? Notice with me when Paul was writing in the book of Ephesus, he was not writing to just a body of people uh, that was unbelievers, but he was writing to the church at Ephesus. And when he starts writing these words, uh, it's, a, it's a passage that you're very familiar with and have heard preached and taught from many times. But notice what he says in Ephesians 6 verses 10 and the following. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. That's the first thing I would say to us. This is a day and hour which we must be strong in the Lord and not ourselves, not our opinions, not our ideals, but we are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. How many knows there's power in him? There's still power in the name of Jesus if you didn't know. And there's still a power that's been given to the church through and by the impartation of the Holy Ghost uh, that you and I can still operate in and effectively operate in, may I add. But it says that we're to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And then he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Here's my question. 
Why do we need to put on an armor unless we are going to be men and women of engagement? There is no reason for you to put on your armor and then just go sit down and have dinner. There is a reason that you dress for battle, and it is because there is a battle to be fought and there is a battle to be won. And that's what Paul was writing. He said, listen, uh, brethren, you got to be strong in the Lord and you got to be in, in the power of his might, but you got to put on the armor because you're going to have to engage some things. He clearly understands the importance of what it is to be a church that is engaged. We must once again become willing to operate, please hear me, in the sovereign authority that has been given to us by our father. Now, what is that sovereign authority? Listen, he is all authority. There is no other authority outside of Christ. Now, when you and I understand this, it begins to position us to get into a place uh, where we're not timid, where we're not full of fear, where we're not backing up, but where we're moving forward. We find that if you will allow your eyes and your other senses physically to direct your life, you will not accomplish a whole lot of things because fear and anxieties will come in and overwhelm you and tell you you're not good enough or you're not qualified or you're not this or you're not that. But however, when you begin to put on the armor of God and you realize that it isn't in you, you, but it is in the power of Christ, uh, then you can simply leap over a wall. You can jump through a hoop, uh, uh, a troop, not a hoop. That's pretty good, ain't it? Uh, uh, my, my tongue needs to work this morning. Uh, and we have to understand that with God, everything becomes possible. How do I know that? Because Gideon was on the backside of a wine press dressing wheat and he didn't, and you look at his resume, he had never done anything, but God said, you are a mighty man of valor. Everybody looked at David with just a, as a little shepherd boy, even though he had been anointed. And they said, why are you here? But when everybody else was retreating, he was running forward. He said, I know that you're coming to me with a natural means, but I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. Uh, and he began to realize that, listen, I can engage culture. It does, I don't have to settle for what I'm seeing naturally. Uh, and can I tell you this morning, uh, we are in a place right now where there has to be a change. We got to a place where we're so relaxed that, well, uh, if God wants to do something, well, he'll do it. Uh, no, listen, uh, every generation that was before us, they had to dress for battle and they had to engage a culture uh, and they had to use that which God had given them to drive back evil. It is no different. When I grew up in the house of the Lord and in our family, it was not uncommon, even the ones that was a little older than I, and all of them are older than me, by the way, but all of them that was older, they can even attest and know even more. And that is the fact that, uh, you know, when you went to the house of the Lord, you didn't necessarily wait for somebody to start service uh, because there was people, men and women alike of all ages, uh, that was already starting service uh, because they was there waging war in the spirit uh, through prayer uh, and through supplication. Uh, what am I saying today? Uh, we have simply took the gloves off, so to speak, if we're not careful. Uh, I celebrate the fact that when I walked in uh, and I was getting things ready this morning that some of the young ladies came in early, uh, much earlier than what they normally do. Uh, and they said, well, we decided we wanted to come and pray for a while before service today. Well, I celebrate that. But where is the mamas and the daddies that's doing the same thing? Because of the simple fact, well, we don't really need to engage anymore, but I, I want you to be, I want you to hear me this morning. Uh, there is a few reasons why you and I have to engage our culture. Number one is this, we have to engage our culture because the kingdom of God or the, or the advancement of the kingdom of God is why we're here. 
We're not here to be comfortable. We're not here to make this all about us. But can I tell you today, we are a people uh, that are to be advancing the kingdom of God. And and the question that I would ask is, what does it mean for you uh, to say, well, I'm a Christian? Uh, You know, the answer that I get most times when I ask the question along those lines is, well, I'm a Christian because I want to go to heaven. Well, I'm I'm with you. I want to go to heaven. Uh, But at the same time, that's not necessarily the only reason we're Christians. Uh, But we're Christians because of the simple fact God has allowed us to come into his grace and his mercy and be part of his kingdom uh, for such a time as this because Listen, he has entrusted us uh, with the opportunity and the ability to subdue uh, and to operate in dominion uh, to engage culture. Please stay with me this morning. There are two competing kingdoms in the world right now. And we understand that they are not on equal footing, but at the same time, they're still present. It's God's kingdom, which is a kingdom of light, and it's Satan's kingdom, which is a kingdom of darkness. And we find that God has you chosen through his sovereign rule. He has chosen to use the church that was established through the shed blood of his son at Calvary to be the vehicle to advance his kingdom. Now, if you say you're part of the church, then you're part of the tool that is to be used for the advancing of the kingdom. Now, how much are we advancing the kingdom if we're just singing and listening and not applying? This is the truth of the matter. What am I saying today? When you and I choose to do the bare minimum, we are allowing a kingdom of darkness to trespass into territory that he has no right or authority over. Please hear me. We know this. He uses the church. God uses the church to put his enemy under his feet. Now, the kingdom of darkness trespasses in areas because of the simple fact we set in a state of silence. It's a dangerous thing when people become silent because when people become silent, it has a ripple effect which then makes others become silent and afraid to speak out because they see evil increasing its authority And therefore, then silence becomes the norm instead of the opposite of where we should be operating in dominion. Now, notice with me. If you and I do not awaken and begin to engage culture, we're coming to a place and we're fastly coming there where this gospel message could very well be banned in the United States of America. And you say, oh, you're overstating That isn't true at all. Can I tell you, when you begin to look at the dynamics of political correctness and postmodernism and you start looking at the hate speech legislation that's on the floor of houses of Congress all across our nation and in state houses and even in the Capitol, I will tell you today that we are fastly approaching because today when you and I began to stand and to speak concerning the biblical principles of God, we are engaging a kingdom of darkness. We are not fighting against flesh and blood, but spiritual wickedness in high places. Please hear me. But if those things doesn't move you, what should move you is our most precious treasure that now is in the crosshairs of the enemy, and that is our children. A moral agenda vastly different from what you and I embrace and 
lead our lives by has overtaken our public school system and our higher education system and biblical values are out while evolution is in and socialism is now the new gospel of our day and homosexuality and transgenderism is now the the staple that everybody is setting for their life and we continue to sit silent but there has to be an engaging of culture we are not here to do anything other than to trespass into Satan's territory and with the power of Christ and the power of the gospel to bring people to the knowledge of the grace of God. I'm not talking about trying to force somebody to be a Christian. That's not our role. That's not our responsibility. Our responsibility, however, is to understand that there is a gospel message that must be advanced. And the only way it is advanced is if you and I engage our culture. Jesus himself said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. How many believes that the word of God is true? If you believe the word of God is true, you have to believe this passage is true. If Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, how many believes that to be true? You really believe it. If you believe that, then why are we so timid to engage our culture? Because if we are the church, then it means no matter what the enemy tries to do, the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. It means it can't prevail against us. Because can I tell you, the Bible is very clear that when someone is willing to lose their life is when they're willing to get their life and able to obtain life. But you and I today, if we're not careful, we get into a routine and say, well, we're just going to keep going. But notice, uh, those gates cannot keep Christ from accomplishing his will and his purpose in this season. And that means he cannot stop his purpose and plan in your life or in my life. So notice with me, you and I have to understand the reason that we're here is for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Now, what are we doing to advance it? I know this is more of a teaching message this morning, but please hear me. Secondly, we must engage the culture because God deserves glory in every sphere. Can I tell you today, God does not just deserve glory in this house, but he deserves glory in the, in the local supermarket. He deserves glory in the, in the local entertainment facilities. Uh, he, he deserves glory in our school system. Uh, he deserves glory in our town hall. Uh, he deserves glory in every avenue of life. But the question has to be asked, how does he receive glory? Uh, he does not receive glory where he is not present. Uh, and the only way he's present in those places uh, is if men and women of faith began to willingly engage a culture. Oh, uh, but we're, we're blurring lines, preacher. No, uh, listen, uh, the Bible is very clear that a nation uh, that has been ruled by righteous men is a nation that has peace, uh, but a nation that does not have rule uh, by, uh, from righteous men is in a place of chaos. Uh, I rest my case. Uh, all you have to do is look at the world in which we live. Uh, but can I tell you, if we could get some men and women of God uh, to engage in culture, uh, that means this, I, I'm going to let y'all breathe real easy tonight or this morning. Not everybody is called to be a preacher. Not everybody's called to be a singer. 
But there is men and women in this room. You're called to be great businessmen and women. Uh, you're called to be in the political arena. Uh, you're called to be in, 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 in all types of different professions uh, across our culture. Uh, and the reason for that is this. God strategically places men and women uh, in the places where they can thrive and grow uh, so that they can advance the kingdom of God uh, and so that he can get glory in every avenue. May I remind you, you do not have to be in a church building to get saved. You don't have to be in a church building to get healed. Uh, you don't have to be in a church building to get delivered and set free. Uh, but you and I are the church. Uh, so wherever we go, he goes with us. Uh, and if the power of the Holy Spirit is with us and in us, uh, his power goes as well. Uh, so just like somebody can get delivered and set free at this altar, uh, an altar can be anywhere. Uh, it can be in your office. Uh, it can be in your place of business. Uh, it can be in the local supermarket, it can be at the gas station, uh, but somebody's got to be willing to engage culture. Uh, can I tell you today, uh, we've got to get beyond this ideal uh, that my Christianity is about me, uh, but my Christianity is about him. Uh, listen, uh, I am saved. Uh, I am covered by the blood. Uh, I have been born again, uh, not because uh, I need to walk around and say, oh, I'm all this or all that. Uh, no, but I have been equipped. Uh, notice with me, I've been equipped with a message uh, to tell a lost and dying world uh, that Jesus loves them, uh, that he's able to deliver them. Uh, he's able to set them free. Uh, he's able to make the wrong right. Uh, but listen, we got to engage culture to let people know this thing to be true. Let me hurry this morning. You and I today, if we're not careful, we're, leaving, we're listening to the lies of the enemy, but we have to become engaged. And I must remind you, Paul said it like this, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down uh, arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. What am I saying today is you and I have the about, uh, ability to operate in a place of spiritual authority. It is a dominion mandate that God has given us. Uh, and you and I do not have to sit and say, well, I wish it was better, uh, but we can engage and make it better. Well, may I ask you this? If God really deserves glory in every sphere, then who is it that's going to influence that area? It isn't the world. It has to be the church. So what are you doing? What am I doing to influence the areas in which we operate in for the advancing of the kingdom as well as for bringing glory and honor to him? For the sake of time, I'm going to jump ahead and I want to give you one more this morning. Why is it that we should engage culture? Is we must engage culture because we need not waste our lives. Please hear me. We only have just a vapor. Does it matter if we have 96 years like my father, or 80 some odd years like my mother, or 15 years like some, five years like others? 
20 like others or 50 like others. It's not about the, it's not about the amount of time. It's about understanding that no matter how much time, it's still just a vapor, just a moment. Some of you remind me quite often you don't have too many Tootsie Rolls left. I'm just telling you, it's, it's true. But we can't waste our life. And there's a lot of pressure in our culture today that says you have to do this and then you have to go through this process and you have to go through that process and you have to go through this and this and this and this and this. And time you do all of these things, over half of your life is gone. Please hear me. Parents, don't throw anything at me. I am an advocate for education. But not everybody, not everybody is called or positioned to go for four years or eight years of higher education. That's a mandate that the world has put on. Not everybody's path looks like your path. Now, I advocate for it if that's what people are, feels like that's what God has called them to. I believe in applying yourself and being the best you can. But I'm saying that not everybody is called to the same thing. And if we're not careful, we're putting so much pressure on a generation to perform to our expectations. And if we're not careful, we're positioning them to be miserable and out of the will of God instead of in the will of God because God is calling them to something totally different. I'm going to tell you something. I believe in using wisdom. I believe in not being foolish, but also understand this as men and women of God, we are called to do something. And that is this, we are called to walk by faith. Please hear me. A major problem, even in biblically sound churches today is that the vast majority of individuals are focused on themselves rather than the kingdom of kingdom of God and the advancement of the kingdom. Please hear me. The pursuit of the American dream surpasses the pursuit of the gospel if we're not careful. We need a fresh understanding of why God put us here. And we need to understand that we're not like the world. Those of you in college, you might want to plug your ears right now just for a moment. The people that I know that has had the greatest success, and I have been fortunate to sit with quite a few people that have made a lot of money and they've done really well for themselves. Most of them never used the degree that they got to get to where they was at. But you know why they was able to have the success that they had? is because they became passionate about something. You can have all of the degrees that you want. You can have all the schooling you want. But if you're not passionate about it, you're never going to have success. 2,000 years later, we have 3.2, 3.3 billion people that's not yet had heard the gospel message of Jesus Christ. It's unacceptable 
But that's the reality of where we're at. Why is that? It's because the church lost its focus and became passionate about everything else except for the advancement of the kingdom. Please hear me. There has to be a change. There has to be an engaging of culture because the culture is running wild today. And the enemy has trespassed into so many areas that now we're not just dealing with the kingdom of darkness out there, but we're dealing with the kingdom of darkness in pulpits across America. We have spiritual leaders that now... I watched an interview recently. I had a spiritual leader said that, uh, I, I don't know what kind of spiritual leader he is. I'll just say he's a spiritual leader and it's probably not of the kingdom of light. Let's just leave it there. Spiritual leader gets up and says that the, the spirit of the Lord came to him and told him that he basically wanted him to cuss in his messages because his language would draw people. And that's a mild thing that I could talk to you about today. Listen, we have to engage a culture because, listen, we cannot afford to waste our lives just doing what everybody else is doing. Don't waste your life because at the end of the day, please hear me, you will not regret the things that you did, but you will regret the things that you did not do. How do I know this to be true? Most of you are probably familiar, and I'm going to bring this to a close in just a moment. Uh, most of you are probably familiar with the, with the name Steve Jobs. He was a man that made a lot of money. Gave most of you your cell phones that you have. But at age 56, he departed this life. He died a billionaire. His close family that was present during his death simply said this. This is what they heard him say. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. His final words. They really don't know what he saw or what he was experiencing. But what they do know, and I know this is debated, but they believe, and they believe that he is the one that wrote these following words a short time before he passed away. Notice I want to read them to you very quickly. He said, I reached the pinnacle of success in the business world. In others' eyes, my life is the epitome of success. However, aside from work, I have little joy. In the end, my wealth is only a fact of life that I am accustomed to. At this moment, lying on my bed and recalling my life, I realize that all the recognition and the wealth that I took so much pride in have paled and become meaningless in the face of my death. You can employ someone to drive the car for you, make money for you, but you cannot have someone bear your sickness for you. Material things lost can be found or replaced, but there is one thing that can never be found when it's lost, and that's life. Whichever stage in life that you're in right now, with time, you will face the day when the curtain falls. Treasure love for your family, love your spouse, love your friends. Treat yourself well and cherish others. As we grow older and hopefully wiser, we realize this, that whether it's a $3,000 or $30 watch, they both tell the same time. You will, receive, you will realize that your true inner happiness does not come from the material things of this world, whether you fly first class or economy. If the plane goes down, you go down with it. I don't need to read that. I'm getting ready to get on one of them. <laughs> Therefore, I hope you realize when you have 
mates and buddies and old friends, brothers and sisters who you chat with, laugh with, talk with, sing with, talk about, north, south, east, and west, or heaven and earth, that is true happiness. Don't educate your children to be rich. Educate them to be fulfilled or happy so when they grow up, they will know the value of things and not the price. Here's the question. As men and women of God, mamas and daddies of the faith, how have we lived and how have we impacted our children and grandchildren up to this point to let them not know what the price of serving God is, but what the value of serving God is? If you're not careful, what they're exposed to is, well, if I serve God, it's going to cost me this, 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 and this. I'll have to give up this, 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 and this. Listen. I have never gave up anything that I want back. But the value of this thing far surpasses the price of this thing. When something has value, it's worth fighting for. This morning... This has value. This is the most valuable thing that you can have. But it becomes even much more valuable when it comes from here and it becomes here. When it gets here, there begins to be this little driving force that tells you, I have to engage. I have to engage. I have to engage. Do you realize today, every one of us sitting in this room, we have friends, we have family, we have people around us in our community that if they took their last breath at this moment, they would die and go to a place of torment, totally separated from God for all of eternity, and they're within our grasp. But when was the last time you engaged the culture? To let them see the glory of God on display. When was the last time it was a priority? Oh, we want revival, preacher. Well, I want revival. I'm going to tell you something. Revival doesn't come unless you engage culture. Revival doesn't come unless somebody's willing to give everything. How do I know that to be true? How many thinks that the early church, the stories of it is pretty awesome, pretty impactful as they come to the piano this morning? You know why the early church was growing and thriving like it was in the first century, second century, third century, and fourth century? I'll tell you why, because of the stories that's on this page right here, on these pages. It's because there was some men that was willing to give everything. What do you mean? Back in the fall of 2022, I was in Armenia and I walked in the same place. I was on the same grounds where Bartholomew was. But can I tell you, Bartholomew, he was skinned alive and he was beheaded. But yet people was experiencing revival. 
but he was willing to engage culture. James, he was stoned and he was clubbed to death. He's believed to have preached in Damascus and Syria. He was acknowledged as the first bishop of the Christians in Jerusalem and Israel. Historians tell us that he was sentenced to be stoned to death by the Jews for challenging culture. Yet he did not back down. And because of his faithfulness, revival came to the city. Andrew, Peter as we know him, he was crucified upside down on an X-shaped cross. Preached all throughout the known land. But he engaged culture and he said, I'm willing to give everything so the kingdom of God can advance. And because he did that, the glory of the Lord was in every avenue. But it cost something. Thomas, he was impaled by a spear. James was beheaded. John was boiled alive in oil, and when he wouldn't die, they pulled him out and then banished him to an isle called Patmos. And he didn't die there. He had a revelation from God. It's the book of Revelation in your Bible. They released him from that island, and he did die as an old man. But he engaged culture, and he made an impact. He gave his life for the gospel. Philip was crucified. Matthew was burned to death. That is, he was sawed in two. Axed to death. All because they was willing to engage a culture. And you say, well, that makes me not want to engage a culture. But can I tell you? The world would say, oh, they're dead today. But I would stand here and tell you the words that Billy Graham says, that one day you'll hear that Billy Graham is dead, but don't you believe it for a moment. Because when you hear that, rest assured that Billy Graham will be more alive than he's ever been in the presence of God. I'm going to tell you something today. There is nothing certain about this life other than death. And every one of us will stand before the Lord and we will give an account of how we live our lives. And there will not be any excuse for the people of God, especially in the Western Hemisphere that has been blessed with so much to take this glorious gospel to the unknown world. You can make every excuse. You can say, well, I've got to do this. I've got to make mommy happy. I've got to make daddy happy. I've got to do this. No, 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 no. Listen. We have to make him look down at us and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I wonder this morning, are we willing to engage a culture? This may be sobering. This may not be what you signed up for this morning but I'm going to tell you something if the pinnacle was what we had and I'm not throwing off on anything because I honor my heritage and I love it dearly but if the pinnacle of the faith was what we had 40 years ago this current day would look much differently 
we had a lot of things right but we failed to teach my generation the importance of engaging a culture we just assumed that they knew what they were supposed to do we just assumed that they're just going to keep going to church and they're going to keep singing and they're going to keep dancing and they're going to keep doing what the church does but we neglected a marketplace we didn't teach to be passionate about the advancing of the kingdom and now the nation that still has in God we trust on our money no longer knows who God is nation that now is met with great resistance when it puts its hand on its heart and says I pledge allegiance to the flag one nation under God we become a nation that is overran with darkness and evil and I'm not going to sugarcoat it to you today but when we stand against it it's going to cost us something the days of persecution are coming back something we've never known in this part of the world it's already happening no one wants to give voice to it but if somebody doesn't awaken if somebody doesn't arise your children your grandchildren they will not live in an America where there is a freedom to hear the preached message of Jesus Christ somebody's got to engage and that somebody has to be you and I it's one thing to quarterback a game sitting on your couch it's another thing to be standing on the field throwing the ball it's one thing to tell everybody oh the church should do this this and this when you're not even present Let me say it this way. It's time for every man, woman, boy, or girl to get in the game. Let's make a difference. Let's engage a culture. No matter what comes our way, we can stand and we can resist because the Bible's still true and it says he has to flee from us. Don't be afraid of the consequences of evil, but know this, that God has a plan. been sitting in this room this morning there has been multiple children abducted have been stripped from their security and are now on or in transit to become part of a multi-billion dollar sex industry where most of them will die sit and say I won't revive while we won't engage while we've sat in this room there has been multiple women physically battered 
and abused across this nation. But we want to sing another song and not engage. Another 12-year-old boy, multiple 12-year-old boys, 13-year-old boys in the streets of our cities are being grabbed and pressured to join a gang family because fathers and mothers are absent or strung out right now. They don't even know where they are because of what they put in their body. And now their children have been adopted into something that will lead to death. But yet we won't engage because it's too messy. It's, it's too this, it's too that. Well, I have to, I have to give up this and I have to give up that maybe I'm just becoming completely out of sorts and I can accept that but I just know things can't stay as they are what we need is men and women boys and girls willingly lift their hand and say God you can count on me I'll engage the fight I won't run from it but I will stand and I will sound the alarm and I will awaken to the task and the responsibility and I will be a voice of reason and a voice of change I wonder if there's anybody this room that would say yes to that this morning whatever profession that you feel like God's calling you into I'll celebrate with you and I'll lift up your hands and run after it but if he's calling you something that's not as exciting or polished as maybe somebody else around you has been called to that doesn't matter either city maybe he's calling you to the inner city or maybe he's calling you to the dark side of Africa listen as long as he's calling you you just have to be willing to engage you see we're I'm thankful that we have a beautiful crowd in this room today I celebrate that 23 years ago 24 years ago nearly Sunday morning we'd meet I had about 12 so God's been good but the number in this room really has no bearing on success if all we're doing is gathering in this room for you see Jesus had 12 and one of them left him and the others turned the world upside down there's enough people in this room to turn a world upside down and if we start turning a world upside down we'll, yeah we'll build another building I guess if that's what God wants two or three I don't care we'll do whatever but we're not building just to build we're, we want to build for a harvest we want to impact we want to engage a community we want to rescue a child we want to rescue a mama a daddy but it starts with you and I engaging this morning, 
chorus they used to sing, Lord, if you can use anything, you can use me. I wonder this morning if you'd be one that said, Lord, you can use me. If that's you this morning, before we leave this house, I'm just going to call us to a place of prayer. She just begins to minister in song. of my voice this morning you've never yet surrendered your life to Jesus can I tell you this it's the best decision you will ever make in your life for there is a peace and there is a rest that passes all understanding and he is willing to carry whatever you have on you today he simply says come unto me and I'll give you rest if that was to be you or if you've walked away and not currently serving him I'm going to ask you today would would you be one that would raise your hand and say, Lord, you can count on me. I'll engage a culture because I want to see and I want to experience the goodness of God. I'd love for you to respond as well. I'd love to pray with you and pray for you. But no matter what your age this morning, no matter how long you've been serving the Lord, if you'd say, you know what, preacher, I, I'm willing to engage a culture. The Lord can count on me. I'll do, I'll be, I'll go, I'll do whatever he tells me to do. I ask you to step from your seat right now. You can come stand, kneel, however you feel.